Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It seems like everything's kind of back to the way, back to the way it was before about two years ago. Stores and restaurants are opening up. All of the things down in the plaza are back to the way they were for the most part. And sports are up and cooking. Masks are a thing of the past. Social distancing has given way to community and closeness. And the big events are starting to come back. We were supposed to have a meeting Monday night. My friend said, Pastor, I can't be at the meeting. I'm going to the Journey concert at the Pond. Wow. Journey concert. How fabulous. Don't stop believing. Fantastic. The final four was jammed with people last night as Coach K coached his last game and lost to the North Carolina Tar Heels. But the, the, the arena in New Orleans was jammed and crammed with people going bonkers. It was fabulous to watch. Unless you were a Duke fan and then was a little sad. Gone are the empty arenas. Gone are the quiet streets. Gone are the outdoor, outdoor restaurants. Even the most ramped up cities, counties, and states seem to be letting things recess back to normal, or at least normal as maybe we remember it. We have new things to celebrate. We have new challenges to get after. And as we do, we rise up and get after life maybe with a, 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 a little different context. Get after life with new patterns and new ways of thinking and some new understandings framed from God's Word and framed from what we've been through together. Luke chapter 20 is a tough text, the parable of the tenants. But it really sets some thinking and meditation for us today I'm not sure in this text if I have a ton of answers for you. If, if there's a sheet of paper with blanks, I'm not sure I would fill out every blank for you today. But, but it's just such a painful story to think about. So maybe we think and sift Luke chapter 20 through some of these questions. What will change in us having been through a pandemic for the last two years. What will be better in our hearts and lives? How will we be more resilient, more kind, more compassionate to other people? How will our lives be stronger given what we've been through? And what will be our faith in Jesus when everything finally settles all the way out? Just something to sift that painful parable through this morning. Katie reads it beautifully, and I don't know, her voice is much sweeter than probably Jesus' voice was that day. Jesus, Jesus was moving towards a painful place. The crowds were starting to dissipate, and people were going away. His words and tone become more sharp. All the way up to this point, every time he opened his mouth, the synagogues, the, the places people were seated were full with standing room only, but his miracles brought people together, brought people out of their homes, made crowds wherever he went. Person after person brought their sick family and loved ones to Jesus. And now his words turn sharp. 
Now he's not funning around or playing anymore, especially as he speaks to the arrogant religious leaders of the day, the high priests and the scribes. Jesus reminds them that religion is what people do for God, but he is here to supersede their religious practices. He was there to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I always like when people use that word religious. You know, Pastor, we'd like you to come out and do our wedding, but we don't want it to be too religious. Well, then why in the world are you calling me? We'd like to have you bury Grandpa, but we don't want too much religion. Not everyone in our family is religious, you know? Well, good luck with that. That I only have two speeds, full stop and full go. If you don't want Jesus, you better call somebody else. I can't stand the word religious. Because the word religious implies that we're doing something for God. Something that augments or adds to what the Lord has already done for us in Jesus. And so in this text today, the religious people were about what they had been doing for God. The laws, the ordinances, all of the things of cleaning and washing and clean and unclean. All of the things that they had done. They'd ordered their lives to ensure that they were better than everybody else. Or at least set apart from the basic pagan person of the time. And the religious people were threatened by Jesus because Jesus wasn't appealing to them or, or reinforcing their message. As a matter of fact, he was putting a wedge in between the people and the crowds, the people of the crowds and the religious people. And this had happened over and over again in Israel's history. The prophet would get up, the prophet would be popular, the prophet would start speaking the word of the Lord, and the prophet would be killed. Like a son like a slave going to the vineyard, or a slave going to the vineyard. And now the son was on his way to the vineyard. The prophets came and went, and many were ignored, and others were killed. And so after this parable, Jesus comes and says these words, words he quotes from Psalm 118, verse 32, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And at that, they wanted to kill Jesus because he had claimed himself to be God. He claimed himself to be the Messiah and the cornerstone of faith, everything resting on him. To know Jesus was to have life and to have hope in that promise and to be ignorant of Jesus was death. And he told the religious people that day, you are ignorant. And they sought every way to get after Jesus and kill him. In that regard. As we move closer and closer to Easter, it's going to be grand. It's the first time in two years where the staff has sat around and said, what's it going to look like? What's it going to be like to have thousands of people on campus instead of dozens? Instead of saying, what are the exceptions that we have to make to kind of find a way to get everybody on campus, we've said, what will we be able to do to enhance people's experience of the Lord's resurrection? And maybe your family's in a similar context. Maybe you've seen that even Hawaii has eased their travel restrictions and, you, and you've got your American airline miles and you said, you know what, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going to go and mellow out and sit on the beach and I am going to be as cool as a cucumber it'll be fat. Perhaps you're putting together a family celebration that will be second to none. 
maybe, maybe grandma and grandpa couldn't come the last two years because, and this year you're making arrangements for grandma and grandpa to be there with a new grandson or a new granddaughter and for family to be together in a way and a closeness and without a fear that maybe family hasn't had for the last two years. Having had so little contact, maybe you're going to go bonkers. I hope, I hope you do. Our church is going bonkers. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and I have to laugh. We hide Easter eggs in plain sight. You, you're, you, your life is never, it will never be the same until you watch two and three-year-olds toddle across the field in a little fenced-off place, picking up every pink, green, orange, purple egg they can possibly possibly do. It's the greatest, most beautiful thing in the world. The egg hunts, the games, a huge spread of food, so much to do and so much to get ready. It feels good to be breaking free of the confines of COVID, but the people are what make the difference. People, family, loved ones, community, people being together. No doubt you have plans that will warm your heart. We'll have an expanded schedule, more services. We'll have a little something more than donuts, but you'll have to show up to see how that goes. The choirs are rehearsing, and our choir loft fills up a little more every single week. And we are anticipating a weekend, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, of winsome worshipers. Pastor Trevor's already ready for a, a whole creative thing for our school children in chapel for a holy week. Everything is getting set with a new zeal, with a new understanding, with some new people. There's lots going on to feed the souls of God's people and to lead us in the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus said, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. All of those pieces of family and church are built on the cornerstone of Jesus. Everything is built on the cornerstone of Jesus. And as our lives are built back, back to normal or whatever normal is going to be for us, we build on the cornerstone of Jesus. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Life is not about becoming more religious. It's about building on the cornerstone of Jesus, the Christ. To know Him, to have Him, is to have everything. And without Him, there's nothing. With Him is light, without Him is dark. With Him is truth, without Him is deceit. With Him is grace, without Him is judgment. With Him is mercy. And without Him is isolation. Jesus, the cornerstone. Jesus, the cornerstone of our lives. And as we work towards Easter, we are reminded week by week of the things that Jesus did. Healing the sick. Proclaiming the good news. The blind could see, the deaf could hear. He was the cornerstone upon which the salvation of the world would be built. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of of God, the cornerstone of our lives. We build our lives on Him. Any other building is foolish. Any other building is temporary or temporal. But that which is built on the cornerstone of Jesus 
has a marvelous way of being true and square with His Word and promises. That which is built on Him houses His heart of love and compassion for you and me and for all for whom He died. After this weekend, Jesus' path narrows considerably. The crowds will be smaller and smaller until He's alone. The affirmations, you are the Christ, the Son of God, those will all be smaller and smaller until He is led to His execution. But all the while, Jesus is building His foundation until that moment where He is on the cross and He says, it is finished. At that moment, He has delivered us. He has delivered us the cornerstone for our lives, and the cornerstone is this. That in Jesus Christ, God chose us. And in Jesus Christ, we see God as a friend and a father. And in Jesus Christ, we see God and experience His love for us. Christ, our cornerstone. All built on Him. Our words, our behaviors, our attitudes, our thoughts, our lives, completely built on the solid cornerstone of Jesus. And in that, we are all deeply and dearly loved. Our lives are built on a cornerstone of God's love for us in Jesus. It's interesting to me that that we get to kind of rebuild church and community during the first part of 2022. And it strikes me that Easter comes so late. If Easter would have been the first part of March or whatever, if it would have been one of those early March 20th Easter things, we wouldn't have been ready. It would have been really hard. I don't know what Carissa and Alex and Stefan think, but it would have been kind of sad. I'm not sure we would have had all y'all back. I'm not sure we would have been able to, 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 to plan with such freedom. But it's interesting to me that we have the opportunity to rebuild the fabric and the rhythms of our lives during Lent and bring it all together on Easter. It seems to be a function of divine timing, of God's timing, that His church is fixing to rise up and celebrate a foundational truth. That a life built on the cornerstone of Jesus, the Messiah, is a life that prevails, is a life that endures, and it is a life that in Christ is eternal. And that we can do that for the most part unfettered and fired up and good to go seems to me to be nothing less than divine time. And in the middle of that, we get to rework our personal lives we get to reestablish the rhythms of our lives, and, and, and maybe we get to figure out how to course correct a little more. Instead of just slamming and adding all this stuff into life that we did two years ago, maybe you're a little bit more careful with the things you say yes to and the things you say no to. What does it look like to align our hearts with God's love for us in Jesus now? What does it look like to form and reform our behaviors according to God's word. How does it look to engage in community and rebuild our lives on the cornerstone of Jesus and His love for us? I can't answer those questions for you. I can 
I can for me. And I can help form my family's thinking in that regard. Those questions about life and behavior and attitude, about engaging and establishing and reestablishing the rhythms and patterns of our lives, those you get to answer in your own family and family system. And I would offer it's a reset now for us spiritually and an opportunity to get rid of things that have been painful for us and to assume in things of faith and life that are built on the cornerstone of Jesus and His love for us. And so April's fixing to be a good month, a month of celebration and reflection, of building and rebuilding of life. And I pray that as we narrow down to to that celebration of Easter together, that God would give you opportunity to pause and reflect, to course correct where you see that's appropriate, and to build and rebuild your life on the cornerstone of Jesus. In His name, amen.